Welcome to the Couch Olympians podcast. I'm your host, Harry, and every episode I'll be joined by a new guest to talk about Olympics of the past while looking forward to Tokyo 2021. This is Couch Olympians. Hi, welcome back to another edition of the Couch Olympians podcast. Uh, before we get into it, uh, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's reached out with uh, positive messages saying they really enjoy the podcast. It means the world to me. Uh, so I just wanted to say thank you. And if you ever have any ideas for the podcast or anything that you know feel like you could do better or I could do better, uh, please feel free to reach out. Uh, the Instagram, uh, Couch Olympians podcast on Instagram follow that i'm constantly updating that i'm constantly on that um so that's it and today's episode we're joined by kian from t to green and we're breaking down golf obviously we go a bit off topic of the olympics but i feel like that's when the best podcasting comes so yeah without further ado here's kian uh welcome back to another edition of the couch olympians podcast i am delighted to be joined today by kian from t to green golf blog uh, and we're going to talk about golf in the Olympics, and then we'll have a general talk about golf in general because golf is a fantastic sport. So, Keen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me, Harry. It's a pleasure. So, firstly, we'll kick off with the question I like to ask all my guests: What do you think of golf in the Olympics? Um, I suppose going into 2016, there was a good bit of excitement around it. Um, first time I think it was was within 100, 112 years it was going to be at the Olympics. So. I think uh, going into it, there was a lot of excitement. And then obviously uh, the fear around the Zika virus hit and um, the number of big names that, that dropped out in the end from, you know, McElroy to Speed, Jason Day, uh, Johnson, Adam Scott, um, a, lot of, a lot of the bigger players ended up pulling out, which I put, which I think put a little bit of a dent on it. But um the spectacle of the, the men's competition, especially going down to the 72nd hole with, with Rose just beating Stenson by a shot, I think was able to uh, help it redeem itself a little bit, especially in the, the men's side of things. And um, obviously the Olympic Council thinks it's uh, it's worth a little bit to the Olympics because it's after being included now in 2024 and 2028. It's in, pretty sure it's in the Golf National again, where the Ryder Cup was in 2018 for... Paris 2024 so um yeah it'll be interesting to see now what happens in in Tokyo and, and what players go to it in Tokyo because I think that's going to be the, the the key the key factor to deciding how it's viewed past 2024 and into 2028 in those years yeah I agree with you there I think going into Rio it was a bit unknown and you know you had the, the t- I think the top five players in the world going into Rio pulled out. It was like as you said, yeah. Johnson Speeds, Rose, uh, not Rose, sorry, Johnson Speeds, McElroy. Um, McElroy clearly didn't want to, to declare, and he came out and spoke about that. How like there was nothing really to do with the Zika virus. That like he was he just didn't want to declare GB or Ireland. And he mm-hmm. kind of I actually read an article there about him recently, and he says he looks back with regret at that time, and uh, when he committed to play for Ireland. Uh, and I think the tournament itself, as you said, it kind of worked. Um, you know, Rose talked about it and saying, yeah, he's very proud of it. When you look at Rose up in the, in, in now he's always, he's an Olympic champion, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think Ricky Fowler did a lot for the game in that as well. He was very, very proud of it. He was very, very up for playing for the USA. 
you know, you see the tattoo in his arm now when yeah. he's playing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if we looking back at that Rio tournament, it was interesting because there was even apart from Zika and the big players pulling out, they they purposely built a golf course for a country that isn't really that into golf. You know, it's called the Olympic Golf Course, and like they said so some claims about you know it's good for the wasteland, but a lot of the data would say golf courses aren't are pretty bad for the environment. So, yeah. um, you know, I, but I think coming out of it, I think Rio can probably say golf was a success. Um, and going into this tournament, as you said about names pulling out, like Johnson didn't want to play in 2020. He said the FedEx Cup is more important. Uh, and then he's actually reevaluating that decision for this year. So that kind of speaks yeah. to it. And he was only one of the, he was one of the big names or only one of the big names that were going to, gonna pull out so i think definitely have it has that a recovery yeah definitely um i i was looking actually at the the uh rankings for 2021 and i'm not sure if they've included uh johnson's put have they no. included him uh, as because they, they, he, he hasn't declared he, he declared out but he hasn't 100 yeah. come back in yet uh i think that yeah that's a that's a that's a great segue so just for the listeners uh how it works is actually quite interesting so they take the top players and it's only like a maximum of four from that top layer. So it's, there's four USA players and then there's two from every other country going down the list. So they go down the list of the world's rankings and they say, oh, there's already two of them. So they cut them out. Oh, there's already two of them. So they cut them out and they keep going and going and going. So at the end of the list, you have guys like, I'll read out the last five names, Keen, And if you can tell me who these guys are, I'll be very impressed. And I consider myself a big golf fan. So we have Sebastian Hessele from Germany. We yeah. have Scotty Vincent from Zimbabwe. Nice putter. <laughs> and we got Zingyun Zhang from China, Fabrizio Zanotti from Paraguay, and Fabian Gomez from Argentina. Yeah, and I know Zanotti and Gomez because they've been a little bit on the on the PGA, but yeah. Uh, the other the other few before that, um, not really. And then that's why I was looking at it there the other night as well. It's a lad from Bangladesh I'd never heard of. Uh, a lad from Taipei, uh, Taiwan as well, who yeah. who actually withdrew just the day before the tournament was supposed to start. I'd never heard of either. But um, I don't know. I think it's like, I also sort of like that aspect of the Olympic yeah. that it gives other countries um, an opportunity to, to be involved. And uh, I think the system that they have in place at the moment is quite fair. Um, I agree. It's a great, it's a great tournament for us. I think it's probably one of our best medal chances. Yeah. If we keep, if we like McElroy and Larry are a hundred percent guaranteed to be in twenty twenty one, and if the two of them decide to play, you go into a tournament that realistically probably only has twenty five to thirty realistic winners. Yeah, and we have two of those realistic winners there, so we've got a fairly decent chance. I think every time, um, every time it's it's it, it sort of goes ahead. Um, so I think it's a, it's a great medal opportunity for the Irish anyway. Um, it kind of stops the USA dominance almost as well. Where yeah. Like if you if you look at the official golf world rankings, it's just all American flags. Mm. Well, that speaks to that there's more money in America and the PGA Tour is much bigger uh, yeah. than the Europeans and the Asian tours. Uh, but I agree. Like you know, if you look at the top seven rankings, it's the four Americans: uh, John Ram, Tyrrell Hatton, and McElroy. You know, so yeah. like that, it, it, it speaks to the chance that they have as well. So, yeah, I'd like to get, let's get into that uh, about the team selection. So, you know, taking out DJ, we'll say he's not playing. It's JT, Colin Morikawa, Xander Schauffele, and Patrick Cantley. 
Yeah. And like they're not exactly big names. Uh, like especially Murray Cowes is a young guy who's caught fire in form recently. Um, mm. And then Cantley as well has just always been so consistent. Um, but hasn't really done it enough. Uh, I think it's just been consistency on the PJ Tour. You just always see him around. But what would you say about Cantley and, as a player? Uh, I think he's very, very underrated. Um, because He like reminds me of sort of like a Lee Westwood back yeah, in. Steve Stricker. Yeah. yeah, sort of back in between like 2007 and 2013 where they were always up around the top of the leaderboard. And every single week they were in around the top 10. Um, like Cantley was a prodigy coming out of college. And then his first two or three years in the PJ Tour really struggled. And then sort of came back into it then in the last sort of four or five years. Uh, was it two years ago in the Masters? He had a great chance. I think he actually took the lead after an eagle like on, on 15. Yeah, yeah uh, I remember that. I think he made a bogey then on 17 coming in and, and lost by two in the end. I know, it was there. It was here, Tiger. It was here, Tiger. Yeah, it was Tiger's year. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tiger's like, year. Oh, come on, Cantley. Who, who cares? Come on, let's yeah. let Tiger win it. Tiger, Tiger won it. Um, and I think, yeah, obviously, Marikow is a young player, but at the uh, moment, Mar- 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 is a multi-major winner. He is, yeah, like a serious player. I saw. I was watching the the WGC at the weekend, and Simon Holmes on Sky Sports was saying that in his final year of college, he done a TrackMan analysis. And his dispersion with a six iron is the same as the average dispersion of a pitching wedge on the PJ Tour. So yeah, it's mental. Basically, he hits his six iron as clean as a PJ professional would hit his pitching wedge. But it, an interesting point about Marikawa as well is just like to have that clutch gene, you know, especially at the, the, the PGA, wasn't it last year, where he hit that driver. Yeah, like, to like insanity, 10 yeah, insanity, like on like one of the closing holes as like a 21 year old. Uh, that's rare. So, like, I feel like there's definitely mm-hmm. a big potential for him there. But again, back to the Olympic teams, you know, a team GB have a really strong team. Like, Tyrrell Hatton is a, is a serious player. And yeah. I always, I, I always respect about the European guys who come back and play on the European tour. I always mm-hmm. have. And, you know, Hatton's always like using the BMW. He always comes back to play in the big events in Europe. And McElroy tries to, but you can always see, obviously there's COVID stuff, but you can always see he kind of jumps to the <laughs> States a bit while Hatton, I feel, is really based in Europe. And then Fitzpatrick yeah. as well, who's always a hot prospect. Uh, he's playing really well at the moment uh, too. Uh, so those are two great, another great chance to talk about medal chances. Like those are two top, top players. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we mentioned McElroy, Larry. And then uh, another team that caught my eye was uh, Adam Scott and Cameron Smith. Yeah. I think Cameron Smith is another phenomenal player. Um, you know, he it, he probably wins the Masters last year if DJ doesn't run away run away with it. Like his yeah. score was unbelievable. Yeah, no, I uh, and I think the Aussies would definitely like another because both Scott and Day pulled out of 2016. I think they had yeah. Scott Hand, they had Scott Hand, and someone I can't even remember who the other player was, but it wasn't anyone recognizable. Um, so I definitely think the Aussies would like to have another go at it now in, in 2021. But I suppose then sort of going on from that, like the interesting thing about the golf afterwards, there was a lot of talk about it as well, whether they could introduce a team format to it and make it into sort of a World Cup style event where now that would mean a sort of a change and it would probably mean just teams of two and you'd yeah. have an individual event and a team event within it. 
which I think would be pretty a cool aspect as well. Um, yeah, I like that. I, li- I like that as well. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a matter like, obviously you'd have the two best American players and you're kind of then, if you do the same sort of format almost of, you know, getting two players following those guidelines where it's just two, you're, you're weakening the pool of the talent base, you know, maybe it would have to, you'd have to probably make it like smaller. And if you even did like a, a knockout, a knockout system where it was like a round robin, um, because like, again, if you're getting into like the Bangladesh team or something, yeah, yeah like it, it, be, it yeah. You, they'll get ripped alive. Like there's no, like, there's not even like a chance they'd win. No. Yeah. Know? So, I feel like that would have to be managed carefully. And I don't think it's at the point where it's a big enough sport to demand two Olympic tournaments. You know, you've seen uh, in 2021, basketball basketball are introducing a three-on-three tournament, you know, but they've proven that basketball is popular in the Olympics for a while. So like they're able to add that element to it. Mm. Whereas for golf, I don't know, it's still a little bit unproven. But I do think it is, as you said, it's been extended on for the next few years. Um, I do think it will might get to a position because it's it is growing as a game worldwide. Because yeah. I've seen the, the the women's event was the highest watched women's golf tournament of the year in 2016. Um, now that's probably because of the demographics as well to do with the the Asian players in the the women's side of the draw as well. And that's 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 a, that was my next point about you no know, home players. Obviously, you have Hideki for the men's in Japan. You know, yeah, home favorite. Like he's a, and then you have, but in the women's game, it's dominated by the Koreans. Mm. Uh, so you have that proximity, and there's great ta- Chinese Taipei players, and there's Japanese players as well. So it definitely have huge demand from a local, a local audience as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it'd, that, probably that, nearly, it'd probably be nearly. I'd say Tokyo should be more beneficial for the the women's aspect of it probably than the than the men's side of it. Just yeah. as you said, just because of the the geographical location and the demographics of the sport um, on the women's side of the on the women's side of things. Yeah, on the women's side as well, Ireland are sending two great players. I think it's Stephanie Meadow and Leona Maguire. Like, yeah. So there's another good medal chance. Like it does it does it does kind of bode well for us as a as an as a country to maybe pick up a few medals. Like on their day they could they could definitely do it and be within a shout. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, I think Leona Maguire finished tie twentieth in twenty sixteen as an amateur. Yeah. Um and now she's had a full year on, well, no, sorry, this was her first year on the PGA cut sort of in half with COVID. And then she came back last week in the first event and finished, I think, tied 11th on the LPGA. So she's had sort of nine to 10 months on the, on the, the strongest tour on the women's scene. So that's got to be a benefit to her as well going into it. So yeah, definitely. I'd say that the two of them would have a, an outside chance of definitely trying to sneak a medal in, in Tokyo. Yeah. And uh, this is a good question for you. Uh, who would you, what would you rather win? So like, where would you place the Olympics, an Olympic gold medal in within the current golf calendar? So for me, it's below the ma- a major, but it's very close between the PGA and Olympic gold. I think for me, it goes Augusta one, um, being part of a Ryder Cup team two, US Open, British Open, and then it gets messy. I think I'm. I don't know if I want the PGA Championship or an Olympic gold. Where does it stand for you? Um. Yeah. I. I, I suppose it probably differs for for each player as well. But you see, the yeah, way, yeah. But well, if, if this is your first one, oh, if this is my. Yeah, I'd still probably the major. I think 
every single player gets talked about of how, of how many majors they won. And whether that's a PGA or a US Open, it's very rarely ever highly dis- like distinguished. If someone wins a Rich Beam, won a PGA, but he's still a, a major winner. You Stealing know, a living off that, like, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, in that sort yeah. of way, uh, if, if he won an Olympic gold, would he have the same... I think I think I think he might in a few years. I think mm-hmm. I, I I think the I think Rose definitely took that almost as like his thing now as well. Like I think if if you if you if Justin Rose was go was to go on Sky Sports, let's say as an analyst like Rich Beam, I think it would come up uh, U.S. Open winner, Olympic gold gold medal winner. Yeah, I I do think that. So it is interesting, and especially because it's not every year. You know, yeah. it's kind of like. It's kind of, tennis is a great example for this, you know, where like you have Nadal, it was such a big deal for him to win gold and gold, yeah. Mur- Murray won gold twice in the singles in, in Rio and London. And that was such a big deal, you know, yeah. and in tennis, it is such a, you know, you have doubles combinations that you wouldn't see anywhere else because they really want to win the medals. Yeah. And it probably is on par with majors, maybe in, in a personal sense, I probably like prefer Wimbledon, but mm. then I'd probably put Olympic. Um, yeah, because yeah. supposedly, at, and Rose was saying, I saw an article there uh, yesterday as well, that Rose was saying that his sponsorship deals after his gold far exceeded his sponsorship deals that he got after winning. Because you're, you're reaching a wider audience. Yeah, you're reaching it. a wider yeah. audience. Now, I don't think golfers take sponsorship deals into account when they're looking back on their careers. No. I think that, I think definitely anyway, over the next number of years, um, the majors will always have that place slightly ahead of the Olympics until maybe the Olympics catches up. But the, the problem with the Olympics is it's only every four years as well. It's going to take, it'd be different if it had been for the last 112 years, but it hasn't. Yeah. And the majors have been for the last 100 years. So they have all that history behind it where they're trying to create their own history with the golf now in the Olympics. And because it's only every four years, it's very difficult to do that. And the start that happened in 2016 as well with a good few players pulling out, they're probably a little bit behind where they'd want to be with that as well. So yeah, I, I think that I think as I said before, I think they did an, a good patch job on that. I think that had that that scandal had the makings of it all being going downhill. Yeah, that scandal had it like okay, this is a disaster. Let's pull this forever. Uh, and I think someone like Rose winning it, like I think if somebody like you know just picking from if somebody like yeah, one of these guys I pick here out of this list. If somebody like Thomas Detry won gold, everyone would be like, "Oh, you know, like or yeah, like a, like there's or there's nothing like there." But the fact that Rose yeah. was one a big name, uh, top spoke, three really, yeah, spoke Stenson and Stenson and Kuchar as well, exactly, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All three of them were had, but the, the fact that they spoke so highly about it afterwards and they said it's such a massive achievement for them and their families and all that. Yeah. kind of gave it that little push forward like hang on like the likes of McCoy being like hang on I want that or like, mm. you know I want to play or that you see in the Americans now like apart from DJ it's like the next best four guys are like yeah I want to go mm. um, but yeah as so, you were saying though I think Rose had that benefit of winning 2012 if if you had given Stenson the gold medal in 2016 and he didn't win the Open yeah, yeah. Hadn't previously won the Open, I'd say Stens would say 100% give me the Open any day of the week. Um, yeah. But no, I definitely, very, think, it, I definitely think it has its place. I say it's probably up there around a, a WGC. It's definitely ahead of a WGC. I don't know. Some of the WGCs no, are no. very big. Like the world match play is, is huge. 
I'd take I'd take the Olympics in a heartbeat over any of those. Mm, I don't know, like those. yeah. See, the thing about the WC as well, or the players or the players, I take it way above the players. The thing about the the, the the players though as well and the WGC is the field you have to beat going into it is the top of the top. Like last week, it was the top seven. Sorry, it was the top fifty players in the world, and then the top two or three players of each other tour. It's order of merit as well. So you've got to beat the best of the best in the world with the Olympics, depending on who shows up or not. Is it the same? Um, but it's an Olympic gold medal. Like it, it, that's it's the thing. Regardless, as well, yeah. yeah. Like it's it's regardless of the competition about who you beat. You can kind of stand over yourself like I have an Olympic gold medal. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that definitely stands for a lot. Mm. Um, so and then going into a, a good question I have out here is, do you think the lack of fans makes a difference to the player's performance? Because there's going to be no fans at the Olympics. I Well, they're <laughs> up in the air about that, but yeah, I'd, wager, I'd wager if, if anything, it's very limited. Yeah, um, they came out today actually with a report yeah. saying that it's more than likely probably not. Yeah. Um, so, would you think like the likes of guys who have really shot up in the last year, you know, like Xander, uh, Marikawa, Hovland, Wolf, you know, like these kind of names where they haven't really proven themselves year in year out, but they're just having really nice seasons. Do you think the lack of fans will make a difference? Like if you look at Matthew Wolf in the U.S. Open, uh, obviously Bryson ran away with it, but he still was in with a shout. And if the pressure of the fans would be there, if, I don't think it would have been as easy just to go through the motions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so yeah definitely. I, I think it'll be very interesting when fans do come back. And we saw it a little bit at the Waste Management Open a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. where like Brooks was able to really handle it well. Uh, obviously, it really look, kind of looked like a lucky chip in, but you know, he was in that position and you kind of just backed him because he had that experience in the noise. Yeah. And like the kind of pressure of fans, especially in that course where the par three is the stadium around it. Mm. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see, especially as the states get looser with like their restrictions and stuff, and then fans start to feed back into tournaments and especially in major tournaments. I wonder if we'll see some of the names that we've seen before kind of rise back up to the top um, as it kind of gets that mental aspect of the game becomes more different. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um I think when you look at the likes of Morikawa and Wolf and these lads, as you were saying, that are only about two or three years out of college, where now obviously some of the bigger events in college, there are crowds, but a lot of the week-to-week events they play, there's not really a massive um, public viewership. No, but, and especially at majors and stuff, it's, it's yeah. a different level. Like you, you, can, you can hear it on the TV at like the US mm-hmm. Open, the Masters. Yeah, so they've got to build, they've got to build their own sort of... Uh, motivation without the use of crowds and i'd say they've probably literally just taken that into the into their professional career now in the last sort of 10 11 months uh where you look at the likes of i think it doesn't bode well for our two players i don't think mcelroy or larry particularly like the lack of crowds especially mcelroy mcelroy is such a mcelroy feeds off it yeah 100 like and you can tell he's such a momentum player as well if he gets one or two when the crowd starts getting behind them he just sort of feeds off that and can continue to go. And uh, yeah, because I, I, I think McElroy can sometimes live in his own head a bit. Hmm. You can hear it, especially now. It's so interesting when you hear the thing about not having crowds. Is you can hear the caddy conversations. Yeah. Whereas, like when you have the crowd, you're just kind of letting the juice flow. And I think McElroy always plays best when he gets into that flow and that rhythm. Whereas now, sometimes you can see he's like thinking about shots a bit too much or like overthinking things. Whereas if the crowd's there and he's riding the momentum, he just gets into that flow. 
Um, but obviously there's other aspects of the game. Like I think he hasn't had his own coach with him for a while uh, because of the COVID stuff. Uh, yeah. But he is, I think he, he is somehow churning out results. And I think if he just gets that consistency, you know, he's definitely in with a shot of a medal here. Um, yeah. And especially, you know, he's definitely performed well. Like I know he hasn't played in Asia much, but like the Japanese courses are quite similar to the Dubai courses. You know, so he, do, he does have a good... last victory, I think, as well, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, HSBC in 2019 was his last win in Shanghai. So, um, yeah. yeah, but no, I think you're I think you're definitely right. I think um, the bigger players who have been used to it on tour um, for the last number of years have definitely sort of struggled a little bit more. And um, I'd say the likes of Hovland, Morikawa... Um, and a few more of these lads that have just sort of come out of college will definitely sort of be saying now's a good time to win as many yeah. tournaments as I can and try and get a head start on these these lads. Yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, kind of turn away to the Olympics. Well, obviously, we've got some big tournaments coming up. you got Augusta, uh, Bay Hill next week, and, you know, uh, the, ma- the players as well. Yeah. So, uh, four majors. Uh, who would you predict as your master's tip? Um, one of my mates was actually saying to me uh, there the other day that I think he's going to back Hovland which I think is a good shout now the only thing that probably goes against him is his short game um, yeah, no. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't think I don't I don't think Hovland um, I think especially coming off you know you saw at Augusta last time is that the form guys are the guys to go to hmm. um, this year like you you know, there's also there's always that weird those these weird fellows that always just turn up at Augusta, and um, uh, <laughs> Cam Smith from Australia is a guy who just always turns up at Augusta. Yeah, you know, you've got some, and you've got some guys who are rounding into a bit of form who always do play well at Augusta. Like you got uh, Malinari's playing well, and he always has puts in a good score at Augusta. Obviously, you've got TJ, who's unanimous favorite. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Fitzpatrick, Matthew Fitzpatrick has a really good record at Augusta. Yeah. Uh, so these guys kind of rounding into form a little bit would be very interesting to watch. Um, but if I was to pick one, I think Cameron Smith would be mine. I think he's a really good player. Yeah, I probably would have said Smith as well until his horror show on Saturday and Sunday. At the yeah, but that happens though. That happens. Yeah, I, I know, but like some of the shots he hit were bad. Yeah. Um, I, I had him backed as well on that. Um, yeah. Like, like that that course that course is very similar parallels to Augusta. To Augusta, yeah. yeah and like same, same thing as if you're going off that course, I don't really think you can like pretty much I think Morikawa now every every tournament is just a, like to throw in in each way because if he if he is able to put if he holds I think like his 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 putting that average is like early yeah. in on the PGA tour last season. But he has these weeks where he if he is able to find a few putts, he's going to be up there because he's always within like 20, 30 feet. He's always given himself like half decent chances. But um, I do like Smith, I think, yeah. And as you said, he, he had a top five finish last year, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he, he, he would have won it if it wasn't for D, or he would have been yeah. able to shade of winning it without DJ there. And, um, I think and also an, an, another, another thing, speaking of stats that we see, um, and another person who always has good form at Augusta is uh, Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah. And there's some ridiculous stat about his him not three putting. And as, at the moment, like his putting form at the moment is fire. 
So I feel like he's worth definitely a, a way who could fly under the radar. And yeah, also he, Patrick Reed is turning out top tens uh, a lot. Like he's, his form is very good. Yeah. Uh, and obviously always. So it's, it's going to be a great tournament. You've got a lot of the top guys kind of rounding into form there. Um, yeah. And then. That was one name just like <laughs> there that literally creeped up. And he he done well too. Yeah, he was sure he was in the playoff in the Genesis, and then because yeah. Homa missed the putt on eighteen, where it like lipped out from like four feet. Four feet. And then yeah. They played the playoff hole in the first one, and and uh, Homa put it into a tree, and he kind of like got a knockout really easily. And Fina didn't take advantage and put it into the bunker in the second hole. But he's cursed, yeah. man. He he he. I he is. I I have a good friend of mine, uh, Jordan, and he said he, me and him have just a, a weird obsession with betting on Tony Fina. Like yeah. every week, he just well, he's a great, great like, oh, he's an unbelievable player. Twenty-five like is there at the moment for the Masters, and it's paying eight places. And, and I, it'll, it'll pay ten as well. Yeah, uh, a bit closer. Yeah, a bit closer. Yeah. Um. So, like, yeah, there's definitely a chance there. Mm. Um. But again, I don't know. I just can't bring myself maybe to uh. <laughs> yeah, to pull true. the trigger. On Sundays, he just seems to. Same thing, your man Simon Holmes on, on Sky was just saying that he's on Sundays he seems to lack that inch of pace on his putts. That well, sorry, not even on Sundays because sure, he, he shot 64 in the Genesis, but when it really comes down to it in the playoff, yeah, he, he had two very bad putts, like yeah, very unconfident were, putts, yeah, that um, yeah. throughout the round previously, like he wasn't doing so. Um, but yeah, no, I hope because he just seems like a nice. He just seems yeah, like, he seems like a great bloke. Like, I yeah. actually, I went to that Genesis tournament about two years ago, and I watched him. And his swing is very cool; like it's very yeah. short and kind of just whips through. Uh, and then looking forward, looking towards the other tournaments, now we've got like it's a shame about the Tiger incident because Tory Pines is the U.S. Open course this year, and he has such a good record around there. Yeah. Um, and then we have before that we have Kiwa Island, uh, which is a really interesting course for the PGA. Uh, yeah. I think McIlroy was one that was his last major in Kiwa. Uh, and that's just a wide open links course. Uh, yeah. So like anything can happen there, which it's always a great watch. Uh, there's a very famous Ryder Cup there. Uh, yeah, with, um, the one Man- Man- Montgomery was involved. Um, yeah. the, uh, and then we have Royal St. George's for the Open, um, which is which is another good course. Uh, but looking forward towards them, you know, Augusta, you can really sort of see uh and really tip at the moment because it's just the guys who are running into form. But there's some great courses for the majors this year. And then looking forward, we actually have a Ryder Cup this year as well with the Olympics sandwiched in between that. Yeah. And I'll just read you out, uh, just get your thoughts on this. So currently the Ryder Cup in the rankings, we have uh, Tyrrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, John Ram, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, Victor, Victor Perez, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Paul Casey, and Danny Willett. So... I have a pro- I think I don't know a lot about Perez. Uh, I know you got you could a little look into him there. So what would you what would you say about him? Yeah, I think that's a pretty strong strong team when you read through it. Uh, Willett's probably the only one at the end where you'd say. I think the window at the start of the year from it is massive. You look at Larry when he won his major in 2019. He won in Abu Dhabi at the start of the year as well, and he said that just gave him so much confidence going into the year. Yeah. So uh, yeah, apart from Willett. I like Perez as well. I think he's a he's a really he's a really good player, good iron player. Um, he's got kind of under the radar, you know. Yeah, I, I, I haven't really heard much about him. I've, I've seen him pop up. Plays a lot of the stuff in Europe, does he? Or is yeah, he plays. He's mainly on the European tour, and uh, 
that's why he got into the world golf championship through the pretty sure well he's in the top 50 now in the world um and he's got jp on his bag mcelroy's old oh uh, wow yeah that's who he has caddying for him so he's got a good head there as well and i i actually thought he was older he's only 28 so he's he's still quite he's still quite young as well and paul mcginley was talking about him there at the weekend and he said he played a few practice rounds with him in florida because i think he's mutual friends with with jp and uh, he was supposed to be very impressed with him um, good like temperament and everything as well so if that European team was to say the same I wouldn't be too like disappointed or too scared it'd probably be one or two like I'd say uh, um, Harrington would probably like the likes of Rose to come into a bit of form yeah Walter to come into a bit of form I don't I don't see Paul to coming into it I, I, I think the one person who might come into it is um, uh, Westwood yeah, it, it, but again, it kind of had a good last year, and then it mm. hasn't really picked it up again this season so far. I think Karen would love if if Larry got in it. Yeah, definitely. But for the Irish thing, I think he will pick Larry. But I, yeah, I think he's afraid though that uh, he's he not backfire. Yeah, but he's not going to have the the right to pick him. That Larry isn't going to have. A, uh, I think that's his big fear that if Larry doesn't have a good year, but they play. I, I think Larry would be so good in a in a Ryder Cup as well um, he's quite a, he's an emotional enough player I think that that aspect of the Ryder Cup would definitely suit him um, but he would he, obviously just from an Irish background I'd love to see him make the team automatically and I think Harrington would like to see him make the team as well but it's um, close as, yeah as you said though, there's so much there's so much golf to to yeah. play as well between I, them and then like it, that's, that's going to flip around um, a good bit yeah, and the American team is very stacked. So I think especially yeah. it's like DJ, Kepka, Marikawa, DeChambeau, Shoffley, JT are the guys who are automatically qualified. But then even below that, you've got, again, Fino, Reed, Webb Simpson, Daniel Berger, Cantley, Matthew Wolf, Homa, Kisner, who's a great player in his own right, uh, really good putter. And like Horschel was like in contention last week for a minute. Uh, Spieth is again rounding into form. Like, you know, his form is pretty good. Uh, so I don't know I feel like the battle for them if I had to say something early here but then again Whistling Straits is a course that weirdly sort of almost suits the Europeans uh, it was a, it was an odd choice yeah. uh, but then again I think the firepower you really like, I think I think uh, you talk about Harrington wanting Larry and the team I think Harrington would really want his the Ram the Fleetwood the McElroy's the, the Fitzpatrick's to start going out and winning some tournaments and start staking some claims. Yeah. Um, I think he'd really want his top guys in form and just having those guys you can just rely on 100%, you know? 100%, yeah. I think, as you were saying, the uh, the selection of Whistling Straits is a, is an interesting one with sort of a, a link style. Sort of suits Larry. Yeah, it suits, it suits Larry. Um, probably suits the Europeans as well. But I suppose it depends... How they set it up though as well. Um it is quite if it doesn't blow too much, it is quite a gettable course. Like yeah. Jason Day shot 20 under the record of a major in 2015 there in the PGA championship. The year that DJ that was the year I think no, what year was it that DJ grounded the club in the bunker? That was eight, that was that was 2010, 2011. Right, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was yeah, that was the US Open as well, wasn't it? That was at Whistling Whistling Straits yeah. as well. That was another high scoring. Uh, low scoring um, major but um, 
like you look at what happened in Paris when how the Europeans set up the course, making it tight, mm. long, rough, relying on the likes of Molinari and Fleetwood, like yeah. really accurate, like yeah. And the Americans just tried to outpower the the course, and they weren't able to do it. Mm. So I think now that it's back in America, you're not going to see that. It's going to be the rough. Yeah, it's going like, to be low. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be low. I think they're going to just say let's make this into a shootout and see which one of us can go lowest. And yeah. I think that will probably suit the US slightly more than the, than the yeah, Europe. If you look at the US, if you look at the uh, European team, you know, it's like Rams, a bomber, McElroy's a bomber, but then again, it's the likes of Fitzpatrick <laughs> and, you know, Casey and Fleetwood who would be more focused on, or their strengths of their game would be like the short game and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, very good. And just right, ran into the game here in Ireland. Obviously we're closed for the course at the moment. Uh, but anything on the hit list, I know a few lads, uh, that I know kind of took last summer to play a few courses around the country. Is there anything, any courses that are on your hit list? Um, I suppose I'm lucky enough that I live beside two, I think, of the best in the in the country, in Pormarnock, the old Pormarnock, and then the, the country club as well is a is a brilliant course. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Really underrated. And I was lucky enough to play that a few times uh, last year. And... Um, Caddied a little bit in Old Pomeranek as well. So no one or two lads down there that are members. So hopefully might be able to, to, to get out there as well. Um, apart from that, like going into the future, I'd love to play some of them down down the south, like Tralee and Waterville and Valley Bunyan. I know you were, you've played Doonbeg a few times. And yeah, I've worked, I used to work in Doonbeg and my family's yeah. around part there. So I've played there a good bit. Yeah, but there, it's 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 amazing down there. The likes of the Hinge. Uh, there's some really underrated courses as well, like even up in Mayo and Galway area. Uh, that that would wouldn't be too hard. And as well, a lot of these courses, like uh, just from speaking from the guys in Doonbeg, you know, they're giving out these rates just because they they rely so heavily on Americans that there's spaces on these courses. Uh, so it's just a matter of when these restrictions get up. That maybe you know if you do look around, or if you know somebody, you could definitely get a deal. Like I think I took. Um, Last summer, towards the end of last summer, I took me and seven of my mates down to play Doonbeg. And it was like 50 euros each for them to play Doonbeg or something, yeah, which is yeah. like if you were to walk up to Doonbeg, it's, you're looking at well over 100 in, for uh, a regular time. So yeah. it's worth having a look around uh, and see what's out there. Uh, I know a friend from uh, college, uh, him and uh, he plays in Lucan. Uh, and a few of those, a few of his mates went in. They went down to Waterfall and Ballybunion for like a really nice price. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely something to look out for. But uh, thanks, Ian. Appreciate no it coming on. And that's it for another edition of the Catch Olympians podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this whole episode. If you enjoyed it, follow it. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Catch Olympians podcast. And see you next time.